but it is our JLA family. I am Angela Birdsong, your conversation piece host on Radio Justice LA Morning Wake Up Call at radiojustice.org, where something new or unusual to talk about for stimulating conversation for you on the bus, train, plane, or simply at the water cooler or in Cubicle Nation. Today, we are listening to Dr. Harry Edwards, renowned sociologist, civil rights activist, and advocate for the black athlete, as he answers tough questions on athletes and activism. The question and answer session that we will hear follows his lecture from Robinson to Kaepernick, The Evolution of Athlete Activism, given at Harvard University in 2017. James Brown of the NFL Today CBS Sports facilitates the discussion and also provides some feedback. Listen in and get some talking points for those hard conversations in the midst of social and racial injustices about athletic protests, especially the taking of the knee by the NFL players during the national anthem. Welcome to Conversation Peace. Angela Birdsong, and you are listening to Conversation Piece. And next is the Q&A session with Dr. Harry Edwards, pioneer in the study of sports, race, and society, explaining the method of protest versus the message behind it with facilitator James Brown of the NFL Today. Your name and your question, please. Yes, my name is Laureen Salito. I am the wife of a football uh, high school and college coach, Mm -hmm. and I strongly uh, feel so positive about what you've said and your respect in training young people, black or white, to be scholar-athletes. It is so important. I am also a 9-11 mother who lost her 23-year-old son. And I want to remind you that last football uh, season. It was the 15th anniversary of 9-11 on a Sunday and the NFL games. And it was that game that the players first took a knee. Those of us that were in New York that afternoon were heartbroken. Many of us cried and were shocked. We were white, we were black, we were from over 25 countries. And it was to us a lack of respect So I say to you scholar athletes that are here in these seats and have such a great uh, venue for young people, I think that knee was a cop out. I do not think the football team now that uh, Mr. Kasternak is on the bills are being proactive by making an open dialogue. And I even think that young man who was um, stereotyped in Las Vegas is considering making a federal lawsuit. That's proactiveness. But taking a knee to me personally and and mainly to the 9-11 community and I think all of our armed service people, it's more than just the cops. It's making 
a degradation of a good many people who lost so much and have had seen our country survive. So I ask you, what can you do for these athletes to teach them that they might have a better voice than taking a knee? Um, first of all, my condolences for your loss. Um, I'm aware of uh, losses due to terrorism um, since um, the turn of the century, including my own hometown of East St. Louis, Illinois, 1917, where over 350 black men, women, and children were burned alive in a white riot. Then Tulsa, 1921, another 350 to 400. Between the turn of the century and Dr. King's assassination owing to terrorism, lynching, and so forth in this country, we lost uh, almost three times as many people as were lost in 9-11. So I understand that loss. Um, my condolences, I know that feeling. I was raised in East St. Louis and we lived every day with the results of the 1917 uh, white riots and uh, terrorism. Um, the second point that I would make is this. Um, there are people who have legitimate feelings about the reflection on patriotism of what Colin Kaepernick has done. We also know through uh, analysis, social science surveys, that there's a direct correlation between people who have some degree of antipathy toward African Americans and people who are in utter disagreement with what he, done, what he did. Not all by any means. Some of them, like you, are honest and straightforward. I felt hurt. I understand that and I sympathize with that. I also want to tell you about an incident. I was invited to speak at West Point. And while I was there, the young man who was showing me around, who was my escort during the three days that I was there, um, had been mentored by another young man in his freshman year. This, the young man who mentored him was a senior, had left three years earlier uh, and was in Afghanistan and was killed there. And they were having a memorial service that day for that individual. And I asked him, I said, you, you know when you leave here that you're not going to an Ivy League university to get a PhD like I did. You're not going to the NFL. You're not going to the NBA. You're not going into some major corporation. More than likely, when you leave West Point, you're going to end up in Afghanistan or Iraq or in harm's way in light of what we're seeing here with this memorial service, what are your feelings about that? He said, I'm more committed than ever. He said, because somebody has to step up, that's what I've committed to. Duty, honor, country, the Constitution. That's what keeps us free. And as I stood there, listening to the playing of the National Anthem, with tears in my eyes, I fully support standing for the National Anthem because I know, got to know that young man. One of the big problems with not having a draft is that we're now so distant from the military. So many of us have forgotten that freedom is not free. And 
I also cannot get out of my mind what he said. I'm here, I'm committed in order to keep us free. So the back side of that, West Point young man's commitment is the freedom, the right of Colin Kaepernick to protest far right. The back side of that is that if he wants to take a knee, he may not agree with it, and I totally support your disagreement, but he has that right. And so often, our disagreements about the method get in the way of the message. And what Colin Kaepernick is saying, what Michael Bennett is saying, what Malcolm Jenkins is saying, what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 1968 and Tommy Smith and John Carlos and Bill Russell and Muhammad, what they were saying is, we're better than this. So we can disagree about the method as long as we're on the same page in terms of the message. Mm -hmm. And I believe that you and I on the same, so we can talk about that. Yeah, we can discuss that. We can discuss the message. So I'm good with you, sister. There's absolutely no, we don't have any issues. We don't have any antagonistic issues. There are people also that I know in this society, like the folks who were marching down the street in Charlottesville. They would be against Colin Kaepernick if he was on a sidewalk taking a knee to the plan of chopsticks. That's another whole issue. That's not our, no. So I understand, and believe me, um, we don't have any antagonistic concerns. Let me, let me play off of that and ask this, and, and I'm, you're the focal point. I certainly have some very strong feelings about that as well. So another way of asking you the question, when I said some people feel that you ought to stick to sports, is there such a thing as a right way to protest something about which you feel very strongly about, that which is indigenous or endemic in your community, when you know there are many neighborhoods where people get stopped for a traffic offense, a license plate has expired, and somehow many people end up dead for traffic stop. So what is the right way to protest a very serious issue so that it can be addressed? Well, I, I think that that's something that grows organically out of the movement itself because the methods that are employed are generally methods that are consistent with the, with the uh, tone and temper uh, of the uh, ideology that's supporting the movement. So when, when, when the Black Lives Matter hashtag came out and, and morphed into a slogan and then into a movement, it literally framed up and defined what the boundaries were for legitimate um, mm -hmm. for legitimate activity. Uh, and the, 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 the other point, uh, James, is this. Uh, as long as you are 
going against the uh, winds of tradition and custom and power and authority in terms of these fundamental basic kinds of human relationships challenges. Uh, there are going to be all kinds of efforts to delegitimize and derail that, that kind of, uh, of, 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 an, of an effort. So you, you see uh, a, a lot of people, not, not the sister back here, but, but, the, but people who say, um, I, don't, uh, I, I don't mind what he's trying to say, but I don't like the way he's saying it. And so all of a sudden you are discussing the method. We can discuss the method as long as we don't have any differences, uh, major antagonistic differences about the message. Other things that happen that, 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 that again, people are, are, are all shocked about. Uh, and now there's a big thing about, well, uh, do you agree with Colin Kaepernick or do you agree with Jim Brown, uh, Ray Lewis, and, and Michael Vick who say Kaepernick is wrong? You know, uh, people bring me that about Jim Brown all the time. Now, me and Jim Brown have been talking for 50 years. Ain't nothing that's happening now going to come between me and Jim Brown sitting up and talking. I'm going to get on the phone and call him, Jim, man, what's going on? I, I, did, did you see this? And we're going to talk. Well, we've been talking for 50 years. Um, but that, again, is a way of deflecting the conversation from the message. All of a sudden, it's about Jim Brown versus Kaepernick. All of a sudden, it's about Ray Lewis versus... That, 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 that's not the issue. Uh, that, that too is as old as these waves of athlete activism. Joe Lewis was brought out of retirement. Used to be the only time you saw Joe Lewis was when he walked through the ring doing a fight or something like that. All of a sudden he's sitting down on the ringside doing color on quote, Clay's fights because he, they, they, they brought him forward to do that. Um, Jesse Owens, uh, uh, who was the first individual to suggest the boycott of the 1936 Olympics over the treatment of Jews in Germany before Avery Brundage went over and came back and said, this man Hitler's all right. Uh, we can go to Germany and, 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 and manage to push it through and avoid a boycott. Jesse Owens was the first one to advocate that uh, in 1935. But he was sent by the uh, um, American Olympic Committee into the Olympic trials to tell Smith and Carlos Hey, don't you all get involved with you know you, you, this Olympic project for human rights thing? Stay away from this. Don't 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 do that. And so it became a, a debate between whether you side with Jesse Owens or whether you side with Smith and Carlos, as opposed to what are the issues that Smith and Carlos are talking about. Jesse went in and told Smith and Carlos was the funniest thing. If you all go through with this boycott of these demonstrations, uh, you'll never be able to get a job. You won't be able to get a job when you get back. John Carlos stood up and said, what the hell are you talking about? I can't get a job now. You know, so he said, so, which, which got us back to the subject that, that, that was at hand. So even when, you look at, even when you look at Jim Brown, even when you look at Ray Lewis, even when you look at Michael Vick saying, well, you know, Colin needs to cut his hair, or, or somebody saying he needs to talk soft, or, 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 or Jim saying, I'm, I support the flag and he shouldn't be doing this during the, uh, during the course of the flag, like, like the lady back here said. Um, th those are not the issues. You, you know, we can talk about that. I have no problem talking about that. But what I really want to talk about are the issues and so forth that Colin and all these athletes in this fourth wave are raising and um, insisting that we as a society do something about it because we're better 
than 147 black men, women, and children, not to speak of, speak of Latinos who are being shot down in the street, mostly unarmed uh, in, in this society, and people simply walking away from those homicides. Yes, sir. Your name? Uh, Dr. Edwards, uh, my name is Wes Spurlock. I'm a student here at the Kennedy School. I'm also an active duty military member. I've been doing that for the last 13 years. And thank you so much. You've given me a lot to think about tonight. As a father of two little girls, uh, you've, you've brought up things that I really hadn't thought about. And hopefully with my athletic skills, they'll get it from their mom and they'll have to worry about that <laughs> down the road. But, but there's been a lot of talk about coming to the table and, and having the discussions about the issues. And, but the methods, and as an active duty military member that is uh, every minute of my adult life has been in service to this nation, that flag that stands behind you, and the national anthem that we sing as it represents, and I too have tears in my eyes when I hear the national anthem, um, it, it, you, it puts me at a crossroads morally and, and thinking about the future of my girls and what I want America to be for them, when I have to decide in a way between the flag and within the, the, the methods that I think that are out there that are right and I believe in, but it puts me at a crossroads to make me decide. And it, and it hurts my heart because I want to be on the side of right, but I also, you know, my, my God, my family, and my country are the things that I have is, is represented everything in my being. And, it, and it, it's emotional to me. It, it, it hurts me, and it's a conversation I've had with a lot of people, um, I think similar to, uh, to the Gold Star Mom over here. And, and you say that the methods aren't important, but the conversation is, and I want to have those conversations, but I am morally and physically torn to have those conversations. And I think that though the method may not be important and the conversations are, the method by which it's going is causing us to not have those conversations. It's tearing us apart versus bringing us together. And I agree with you on Charlottesville. I think people that are, are walking down the road and doing atrocious things and saying just filth out of their mouth is not the America I want to be a part of. And though mm -hmm. I don't in any way think that Colin Kaepernick or any other person doesn't have the right to take a knee. They completely have that right, and I, I support that right, and I've devoted my life and everything I've come for them to have that right. But please help me, doctor. Please help me figure out how to work that in my mind. Help me find a way to, to come to that table and be able to do both, to be a patriot and to be supporting this method, because though the means may not be important, the means are really the conversation. I, though you say that we need to be having the conversation, I think it's taken away. And to Hold on, so, so let him answer the question. Okay. Okay. Uh, first of all, thank you for, for your service. Thank I you, mean, sir. That, that is, uh, is, is, is paramount. Um, if, I, if I were a billionaire, there would be two groups that I would turn to uh, first in terms of uh, distributing money. The first would be uh, the children, and the second would be the soldiers. The, the soldiers keep us here today and free and functioning, and the children are the future of this society. And that, that would be where my emphasis is. So thank you for your service. Uh, Let's, let me tell you how I look, wrap my mind around this. Um, we are not, if we require that we be in agreement and all of the big issues are resolved before we come to the table, there's no reason to come to the table, problem solved. Um, you can be in disagreement with Colin Kaepernick, with Marshawn Lynch, with Michael Bennett, about the protest disposition they take during the playing 
of the national anthem. But you can take tremendous pride in the fact that thanks to people like you, they have a right to do that even though you would not do it. That doesn't mean that you can't sit down across the table in mutual respect and say, let's talk about these issues so that eventually we can be on the same page even in terms of our disposition toward the national anthem. I know people who don't stand for the national anthem not out of political disposition but out of historical understanding. Francis Scott Key was a slave owner. He wrote uh, words to a song, a tune that involved murdering slaves who were trying to free themselves in the third stanza of the national anthem. And so people say, I'm not gonna stand for this song because it was written by a slaveholder who enslaved my ancestors and literally enshrined the murder of slaves who were trying to be free. Does that extend to the day where you murder black people who are trying to realize their full human and civil rights in American society and when we stand, we honor that? All of that's out there. But if we are going to allow those differences to stop us from talking about the core issues that bring expression to those differences, then there's no reason to go to the table. So am I in total agreement with everybody who disagrees with me organizing the Olympic Project for Human Rights, who disagrees with my support for Kaepernick, who disagrees with my support for LeBron James, uh, am I gonna cut them off? No, we have got to continue the conversation. So if I were in the military, I would take tremendous pride in going up to somebody who felt so strongly about their disposition about not the flag, not the national anthem, but about issues that they would put everything on the line. Not to even talk about the death threats. Uh, they put everything on the line in order to make that statement. I would walk up and say, brother, let's talk in my uniform. I would walk up and say, sister, let's talk. Because one thing we have in common is that we both believe that we're better than that. We have in common that we love this country, that we love this nation. Let's, as Americans, let's sit down and talk. Let me tell you something else, brother. We're gonna come through this okay. We've been through a civil war. We've been through a bloody labor struggle. We've been through a bloody civil rights movement. We've been through a women's movement. We've been through an environmental movement. We've been through an anti-war movement over Vietnam that split families, split mamas and daddies from sons and daughters. 
And you know what? Not only did we come through it, we came through it better. We were better, came out better after the Civil War. We were better after the labor movement. We came through the Civil Rights Movement better. We came through the Women's Movement better. We came through the Vietnam War Movement better. Because there's a line, the first line of the United States Constitution. We the people. It doesn't say we the courts. It doesn't say we the presidents, thank God. It doesn't say we the Congress. It doesn't say we the corporations. It says we the people in order to form that more perfect union. It doesn't say we the people with the exception of athletes. That's what Colin is trying to say, that we're better than that. And it's people like you in uniform who make it possible for us, for we the people, after all is said and done, to pick up the pieces and make another stride forward toward that more perfect union in this nation that we all care about and love. I'm more aware than anybody that if I was almost anywhere else on this earth other than the United States of America, behind what I did in the 1960s, forget about what I've done since then, 3,000 page FBI dossier and everything else. I'd be pushing pig manure in a barrel and be glad to have the job if I was still alive at all. Instead, I went through, completed an Ivy League PhD, spent 32 years on the faculty at UC Berkeley, have four Super Bowl rings with the 49ers, two championship, ri championship ring with the University of Florida under Billy Donovan, a school that I could not have walked on campus when I came out in 1959 as a scholarship athlete unless I had a rake or a mop in my hand. So don't give up so easily. We're better than that. You see a brother out there demonstrating, let's talk. And that's no contradiction to the flag. The only reason that we can do this is because this is the United States of America, and that's what Americans do. And we're, and we're not Thank only going to get through it, we're going to come out of it better. I guarantee it. Let me try to get to these other two here real quickly. I'm your host, Angela Birdsong, and you are listening to Conversation Piece on Radio Justice L.A. Stand for what? You want me to stand for a song that continues to remind me of all the harms that have done us wrong? Stand for what? For your army that none of our sons truly belong? Stand for what? The hundred years it took them to convince Congress to become the anthem after 40 failed attempts? Stand for what? Your forefathers who are really just pimps? Stand for what? A song about war, not freedom. That's how you want to lead them? Brainwashing your people? That's how you want to treat them? Slave masters whips to cops nightsticks. That's how you continue to beat them. Stand for what? The beginning of slavery in 1619? Or the end of those black marines of 1814? That's really what the lyrics are about. They may have taken the word slave out, but they forgot to remove the slave connotations from their brains and their mouth. The mentality to make America greater than your imagination is how you pout. Hating because we burned down they White House. Gave proof to the night that is lights out. To that old elitist white supremacy thinking. Drunk off they ass with power at baseball games, singing and drinking. Man, stand for what? Stand for something or fall for dumb shit. 
Stand for what? To salute the red, white, and blue on a flag where my color's not reflected? Stand for what? To uphold laws that were embedded to have my community negatively affected? Stand for what? Your racist systemic melodies are mind-manipulating rhetoric? Did you know that the government pays sports organizations for plays to make people more patriotic? This MK Ultra soul control needs to stop it. I can still love my country and hate that fucked up song about rockets and bombs bursting in air. Reminds me of Charlottesville's vicious glares and police shootings with no care like the dash cameras wasn't there. Stand for what? Monuments and statues of old slave masters? Constant reminders of our nation's disasters? The heroes in Houston, the doctors, the poets, the pastors. That's who I want to shape our greatness after. I honor and respect our men and women of service. But we've been taught to idolize wars without purpose. The majority of our military's casualties are all minority soldiers. So let's make statues for those warriors because they surely deserve it. But Mount Rushmore was built by the Ku Klux Klan. So why in the fuck should I have respect for those men? Damn, this not my country and it's not yours either. Go back to Africa? I wish we never had to leave it. But the entire world is our neighborhood. So why do we perceive certain blocks to be bad and other blocks to be good? Instead of glorifying the past, we gotta focus on the future. Dick Gregory warned me if you speak up, they probably gonna shoot you. But I shout for his eternal voice along with Martin Malcolm and Marcus Garvey. And I march wholeheartedly for their legacy. Because I'll say it loud as you can see. Fuck Francis Scott Key and General Robert E. Lee. They don't represent me and neither do either of these hypocritical political parties. I am a native of the cosmic and universal God energy. Even though the Constitution really don't apply to me, I'll try to exercise my freedom of speech. So you can tell them you heard it from me. Yeah, I said it. Brutality, historic fallacies, and all war is wrong. And so is that fucking song. It's been way too long. It's time to make a change and acknowledge that your home of the brave was built on the back of a slave. So bowing down to a true king is the only way to let freedom ring. Stand for what? I ain't standing for shit. Except Kaepernick. I am your host, Angela Birdsong, and you're listening to Conversation Piece as we continue with more of the question and answer session with scholar activist Dr. Harry Edwards with facilitator, sports broadcaster, James Brown, on the lecture topic, From Robinson to Kaepernick, The Evolution of Athlete Activism. Um, just want, I want to say thank you, Dr. Edwards. Um, I'm a Mandela scholar um, at the Hutchins Center. I'm currently writing a book um, on the relationship between Jack Johnson and the first black um, uh, a champion who was in, in Britain who was actually a South African boxer and, they, yep. and, and a meeting that they yep. had in the London prize ring. Um, so in my conception of, of activism and athletic activism in terms of America, for me they're inextricably linked to um, how South Africans see the possibilities of athletic activism. Going back as far as 1910, um, speaking about that relationship between Jack Johnson and Andrew Jafter, who both at that stage were married to white women and, and were in some ways transgressing the, the norms of their time. So my question to you is, in the fourth wave, wave of activism that you speak about, do you think these um, athletes are also thinking about um, their relationship to Africa? Oh, well, you know, I continue to try to, to uh, broaden their vision of relevance because the more things you can uh, hook up historically, the more things you'll be able to hook up uh, contemporaneously. 
Uh, let me tell you a story very quickly about our relationship to South Africa. When, in 1968, uh, I brought in the Olympic Project for Human Rights to include the banning of South Africa and Southern Rhodesia from the Olympic Games because of their governmental apartheid policies. Uh, after um, uh, the demonstrations in Mexico City, Nelson Mandela, who was on Robben Island, had the poster that we created uh, in unity with South Africa and Southern Rhodesia, along with a photo of Smith and Carlos smuggled into his jail cell uh, on Robben Island. And what he said, if you go back and read the December uh, uh, 13th, I believe it is, uh, New York Times, December, 13th, 20, December 6, 2013, when he died, they had a column in there where he stated, where Mandela had stated, that when he got out of Robin Island, everybody was saying, um, uh, get rid of the spring box. Uh, uh, totally and completely tear them up. Let's start over from scratch. He said, oh, no, no, no. So we're not going to get rid of the spring box. One of the things I learned from the Olympic Project for Human Rights is that sports can be used to leverage the model that you want to use for a society. We're not going to get rid of the spring box. We're going to broaden the basis of democratic participation in them. So the spring box that you see today are the result of him not tearing the organization down and throwing them out and getting rid of them and starting from scratch with a, with a, a black and a colored core. He said, no, we're just going to open up the tryouts. And lo and behold, they found that there were some coloreds and some blacks who could play rugby. So at the, at the, at the, at the end of the day, there's a, 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 a very close connection uh, between what we were doing in this country and what uh, was happening uh, on the continent of Africa. Uh, and, and by the way, since I'm making links, the first group to come out and support publicly the Olympic Project for Human Rights, the first group of athletes to come out and publicly support what we were doing at San Jose State was the Harvard University eight-man crew of all, the, uh, Kurt Canning, uh, Paul Hoffman, and that group. Uh, and uh, when they invited me to Harvard to speak, um, I asked them, what brought you to this disposition at Harvard and a crew team at that? I mean, uh, to, to find somebody black who is dealing with crew is, is a very rare situation. Why? He said, because you are right. Kurt Canning, who was the captain of the team, said, because you are right and the point that you make is crystal clear, we are better than what it is we have shown, and we support you. In point of fact, it was Paul Hoffman who gave the Olympic Project for Human Rights button to Peter Norman on his way to the victory stand, so the third man on the stand who was wearing an Olympic Project for Human Rights button was directly tied in to Harvard University. So it's really a, a pleasure and a privilege uh, for me to be back here. And I hope I responded to your question. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Sandy's had to be the last two. Go ahead. Uh, Dr. Edwards, I, I've just been sitting there thinking you and I are both the same age and grew up in the same era, and you chose to be a Panther. I was a military man like this young man over here, and I got out of the military because I made the decision well, if I'm going to give up my life, not to go to Vietnam, but uh, I'm going to go down to Mississippi and give it up maybe, but I was going to. Uh, <laughs> fight in that way, but 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 what uh, gives me the most curiosity 
uh, about you is your transformation from being a panther to be a man who talks about a message of love, who has a, uh, the kind of broad understanding to allow people of all ideas and concepts and so forth and to express their Americanisms in their way and everything, but get your support and everything. What turns you around, brother? Look, I was a member of the Black Panther Party. The Black Panther Party was about love. They put everything on the line in order to support the community. The Black Panther Party started out uh, uh, by uh, delivering uh, uh, food uh, to the elder, about uh, taking uh, older people to pick up their prescriptions and to pick up their pension checks and to go to the bank. Uh, they uh, started an after-school program, as I stated in the little short piece. Uh, all of the programs that I put together with Bill Walsh were originally designed as after-school programs uh, for the Black Panther Party. Uh, the Black Panther Party was about love, to the point that they were willing to put their lives on the line in order to make life better in the black community. So this idea that the Panthers were about hate and this and that, and that hey, yeah, that, it metastasized in that direction. But when Bobby Seale and Huey Newton started the Black Panther Party, it was about supporting and loving black people and doing whatever they had to do to make sure that black people were safe and secure and progressing in their own community. Um, in terms of what, um, uh, played into my own life as far as reaching out to people and understanding that the whole core of this thing is that we have to care about and believe in each other um, is uh, um, experience. It's simply the truth. Uh, I watched um, work with Dr. King, got to know him, to sit and talk to him the way I'm talking to brother here. Malcolm X, same thing, Huey Newton, H. Rap Brown, Stokely Carmichael, Angela Davis and I see each other every year at the Monterey Jazz Festival, get a chance to sit down and talk. She's as beautiful and intelligent as the first day that I ever fell in love with her mind. Um, you, you begin to learn a few things as you uh, age and mature. There's something to this issue of wisdom. Fortunately, I learned earlier rather than, than later. And so again, we're not going anywhere. We're not going back to Africa. European Americans are not going back to Europe. Uh, women are not going back to being chained to the stove and the bed. Uh, we're going to have to move forward. But the beautiful part about it is if you understand American history and American society and the dynamics of what makes this America is that that's what we do. That's what we do. And in no circumstance that I have ever looked at has it ever happened without mutual respect and ultimately mutual love and caring about each other. Mm -hmm. So that has to be at the core of whatever we're doing. If Colin Kaepernick has a problem, if Michael Bennett has a problem, if Malcolm Jenkins has a problem, if Marshawn Lynch has a problem, it's that they love and care about black people in this country, people of color in this country, and by extension, about this country. If they have a problem, that's the problem. But I'm gonna tell you something, don't tell anybody old Edwards told you so, that's not a bad problem to have. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
I am Angela Birdsong, and you're listening to Conversation Piece on Radio Justice LA Morning Wake Up Call. Now, you know, I'm torn between and betwixt because Tommy gave me the cue about 10 minutes ago, but how do I tell two sisters they can't ask you the question <laughs> in public? No, let them ladies, let them ladies speak. Right, we're going to try to see if we can squeeze this in as quickly as possible. Yeah. All right, mine is brief. My name is Ioka Drake. I really appreciate your time. So um, I think you're absolutely right in saying that time will tell all things. But for um, those of us that don't have the ability to know the direct effects as to what Colin and other people are doing, right? Because you got fake news, you got media conjuring news, and where that's our primary source of information, how do we know what the direct impacts are? So it seemed like this thing was kind of smoldering and was gonna go away at some point and then it kind of caught fire again. So the longer it goes on, the better and more fruitful this is. But last year, they were saying that the ratings were down because of Colin taking a knee. Okay, fine, but now the season has started again and the ratings are down and now they don't really know what to say and some of them are saying it's, it's due to Colin too, but nobody's talking about how the games suck, right? Um, and other things that are making people not really care about watching. So um, how do you decide what the effect is of what Colin? And before doing? Dr. Edwards answers that question, I'm doing the worst thing that we're taught in media is not to ask two questions the same. Can I get what your second question is and Doc can deal with them both, but let me just say to the first one, that's incorrect. Whoever published that um, title saying that the ratings were down because of Colin Kaepernick, <laughs> that's flat out wrong. I know that definitively because the president of CBS Sports, take that back, the chairman of CBS Sports never said that. When that question was positive to people, somebody asked him specifically, could you say so that was, uh, what do you call it, um, anecdotal. That was not based on anything that was asked specifically in terms of a sample of people. That's false. What's the second question? Well, I, I firstly want to thank both of you for being here, two icons of American society, Dr. Edwards and Mr. Brown. Thank you for a frank discussion about the moral challenge of a true democracy. And I just have a simple question uh, to both of you. In the Kennedy School, we spend a lot of time talking about leadership. And I'm wondering to Dr. Edwards, how you perceive leadership or how you would define it in the 21st century and the challenge of the power to love as you've discussed, described it. And Mr. Brown, I would like to know what you how you would define leadership in this time. Um, let, let me see if I can run through this. Um, leadership is one of the most difficult concepts to define in any specific fashion because it tends to be so intricately uh, intertwined with the uh, challenges, the circumstances, the context within which it emerges. The reality is that uh, in terms of leadership in a popular sense. We have never been able to see it coming. We have never been precise enough in our analysis and vision to see it coming. Nobody saw Dr. King coming. Nobody saw Malcolm X leaving prison and coming. Nobody saw Huey Newton and Bobby Seale, two junior college students at Merritt College, uh, coming and organizing the Black Panther Party. Nobody saw Angela Davis coming. 
Nobody saw Smith and Carlos come. Nobody saw Ali coming. They called him the Louisville Lip, the Kentucky Clown. Nobody saw him coming. We probably, in all likelihood, won't see the next wave of critical leaders coming. Nobody saw Colin Kaepernick coming, but he's become the face of a movement. We probably won't see the next wave of critical leaders coming. We most certainly won't see the next Malcolm X or the next Dr. King coming. And when she gets here, we probably won't believe it. Just like a lot of folks didn't believe, didn't, we didn't see Barack Obama coming. And when he got here, people said, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Some of us didn't believe he was president until he got elected the second time. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of this uh, has to, is gonna be framed up going forward in terms of leadership um, by the role and position and situation of women. Because I think that men are finally waking up to understand that we're not going any place, that women do not go as full and equal partners and in many instances lead. And I think that we're just about beat up, broken down, and understand, and, and, and you know, people ask me sometimes, do, do I think women can be leaders? Absolutely. Uh, somebody asked me at a lecture that I was at about a month ago, do I think women are equal? No, I do not. I don't think women are equal. I think that, and, and I think that women are superior, and I'll change my mind on that when a man has a baby. Uh, every, hey. And not only that, sister, they're, they're not only physically superior to us, you're not only physically superior to us, you're morally and ethically superior. You have access to half the money. You have access to just as many guns. You have all, for all practical purposes, all of the sex. And still, uh, despite the fact of the treatment that you get from us. What was that you, last line hey, you just gave? Hey, hey. <laughs> I know this is a family show, yeah, I was about but, to say but the at the end hour, of the day, Thomas. you, at the end of the day, there's no reason for you to have us around. You don't need 50% of the population as men. You could, in a city the size of New York, you could, you, you, you could corral off 50,000 or so, go out and cut out 50, 15 or 20 when you need them, and get, you don't need, we're nothing but, we're nothing but sperm carriers. But you hang in there. Because of your morality, you love your sons as much as you love your daughters. So at the end of the day, going forward, when I look for leadership, just between you and men, don't tell anybody old Edward said it, but I'm looking to women. I even, I, I, because I think that's where it's gonna come from. You're just that much better than we are. You don't get into a thing where my missile is bigger than your missile. We, 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 you're better than we are. And so I, I look to that, and if you have a chance, I think that that is where the answers are gonna come in terms of us moving forward as a society and uh, as a nation. We came close this time to a president. Um, you know, and as, as I've stated before, uh, Barack Obama ran against Mitt, and he ran against McClain. And, and I have to admit, uh, I didn't vote for Barack. I voted for the one whose name begin with him, because as long as Michelle was there, I believed that Barack was gonna be okay. So I voted for her, and he happened to get into the White House as the president. Uh, but uh, that's, that, that's what my intellect, my spirit, and my faith have led me to believe. 
Uh, and again, we probably won't see her coming uh, and won't believe it once she gets here. Dr. Edwards has said it exceedingly well. And first of all, did we answer the question about Colin Kaepernick for you in terms of? No. Well, <laughs> the, the, the issue of the how 30 we. 30-second answer is. Yeah, it will. The issue of how we know that change is taking place and that something relevant is happen, happening is that we're still talking about it. The way that we know that uh, we're moving in terms of these issues, which is why they call it a movement, is that we're still talking about it. Um, a lot of people thought that uh, this uh, Kaepernick's uh, uh, effort would go away, but he touched something critically central in American life. And the next thing you know, you've got junior high school football teams in Nebraska taking a knee. You've got a young white girl who plays soccer taking a knee. You've got police officers in New York saying, we support Kaepernick. You've got soldiers overseas sending out Instagram saying, we support Kaepernick. That's something important that's going on. Is it the way we envisioned it? No, but let me tell you something. A lot of times we're not bright enough to connect all of the dots and hold them together long enough to say, this is where we need to go. This is the way it ought to be. Um, and it's like the old spiritual says, things may not fall right when you want them. Uh, under the guiding hand. But usually, they're right on time. So, you have to wrap your mind around that dimension of it. The biggest, the greatest slogan coming out of the 60s was not black power, we shall overcome, power to the people, it was keep the faith. Because that's about what we got going for us. But as long as we do that, we're gonna be just fine. Thank you. If we can, um, hold on one second, Dr. Edwards. If we can, so that I'm not being disrespectful to the question, I think Dr. Edwards has said everything so extremely well, eloquently, articulately, and passionately. I'm, I'm not dodging the question that was asked at all. I don't want to steal any thunder from what I thought Dr. Edwards did so extremely well. Um, somebody asked about leadership. To me, leadership, and understand, Dr. Edwards mentioned the word faith. Unabashedly, my viewpoint is a biblical worldview. Um, I firmly believe in that which is stated in Ephesians 4.16 when it talks about how well the body, and the body is all of us. It uses the analogy of the body. I said this earlier. And quite frankly, every joint on the body supplies 
to the fervent, effectual working of the whole body. The little finger has as important a role as the head. I heard a humorous example, if you don't think the little finger plays a meaningful role, and if the little finger gets the entire body involved, go outside, slam your little finger in the car door, and it'll be just about two seconds before your lips get involved when you start biting your bottom lip. It'll be three seconds from there before the tear ducts get activated, and about 10 seconds later, your feet will get activated when you're jumping up and down. So every joint supplies for the fervent effectual working of the entire body. So I'm in complete agreement with how Dr. Edwards dealt with all of that. Number two, they talked about women in leadership. Are you kidding me? You know, the Bible talks about the man is supposed to be the head of the household. Well, guess who turns the head? Women, women turn the head. As a matter of fact, and my wife hates me using this example, and I hope she understands where I'm coming from. In Proverbs chapter 21, there are two verses that deal expressly with women, although they shouldn't deal with it negatively like this, but it talks about the power. And it's under the subheading, instructions for life, life. 21.9 says, it is better for a man to be on a corner of a rooftop than to live in a wide house with an angry woman. 21.19 says, it's better for a man to live in the wilderness than to be in a house with a contentious woman. Bottom line, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. So that's my little bit. I'm loving the fact that Dr. Edwards, as strident, as passionate, as determined as he is, at the core of it, and this probably speaks to leadership more than anything, I think there needs to be a moral component, I think there needs to be an ethical component wrapped around love. Because John Wooden, and I use a lot of uh, athletic analogies because it makes a point in the game of life, he says the most powerful, he did, God bless him, the most powerful four-letter word in the English language is love. And to hear Dr. Edwards say that's what drives him and the other takeaway that we're better than this, to me, I have eternal hope and faith that we will get to that point as long as we recognize that it is about love. The young lady back there who talked about her son, a 9-11 a victim as well too. Alvin Patrick, my producer from CBS News, um, we've done a number of stories and we are trying to showcase stories, not only in sports, but in news where I'm blessed to be a special correspondent that aims towards aid to Dr. Edwards' point about the Constitution, a more perfect union. And we did a story on two churches, a black church and a white church that grew out of the same church. But um, when the slaves outnumbered the parishioners at this church, they gave them a separate church. But all these years later now, they're spending more time talking together. And it's good to see that people can sit down and Dr. Edwards, Dr. Edwards said, you know, you can offend me, be honest and open about it, to the point that we can have some frank, honest dialogue to the military brother who is here as well too, to hear the other person. People frame Colin Kaepernick's quote unquote protest, his passion in lens through the lens of what they think. He was clear about saying he was speaking to an issue that plagues our community. That is true. The only community that I know of that has to have the conversation with their young males our black people have to have the conversation with their young men about how to handle yourself when stopped by the police. I mean, that intimates a real serious issue that should certainly be heard. Now, we can talk about the method, but hear the other person. I remember seeing a white woman having a conversation in this congregation with, with people of all hues saying, well, you know, the one thing I don't understand about black people is they give their kids all these weird names like Shanika and Buquita and what have you. 
And a black woman lovingly said to her, without being offended, you might not want to say strange, why don't you say different or unique? So that was her ability to have that kind of conversation where you can hear the other person. I truly hope that love will characterize it and that the optimism that Dr. Edwards is expressing will in fact be the case. And let me commend Coach Tommy Amaker for having his young people and those who are coach the young ladies as well too, to have these kind of open and frank dialogues because that's only gonna, I think, to the point that we started this forum off, seeing Dr. Harry Edwards and Bill Walsh together, the optics of it were not lost on me that you guys had a personal relationship and cared about each other. You said you all close the day with, I love you. If we have love at the core of it, we will make it because love endures all, love assumes no ill, Love truly, and this has been proven throughout history, love conquers all. Hey, thank you guys so very much. I appreciate it tremendously. Sir. I'm Angela Birdsong, host of Conversation Peace. Can we agree on the message? Do you agree senseless gun violence must stop? We may not agree on the method how to protest against senseless gun violence, but we do know it must stop. The method versus the message concept may lead to stronger social protests with a more cross-sectional, influential political solidarity within that protest. As Dr. Harry Edwards says, we need to be better than this. Thank you to Dr. Harry Edwards for your important work on the evolution of athlete activism as we heard the question and answer session after his speech at Harvard University with facilitator James Brown of the NFL today. Thank you to Leslie Rafford, the visionary behind RGLA, Adam Rice, program director and engineer, Michael Washington of M Watch Soul for the opening and closing theme song, and always you, our RJLA family. Reach us on Radio Justice Facebook. Give us some love. Give us some likes, please, as you listen to us worldwide anytime on RadioJustice.org, where you can replay and revisit any previous Conversation Peace shows. I'm Angela Birdsong once again. Thank you for allowing me to share this special experience of Conversation Peace on Radio Justice LA Morning Wake Up Call with you. Remember to be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be brave, be courageous, and let all that you do be done with love.